So it's good to be back with you all. Uh, last weekend, if you were not aware, uh, for uh, the four pastors, we uh, went on a retreat as we typically do this time of year. And I just wanted to thank you um, from us, just allowing us and our wives to have some time together. Uh, we spent time in prayer for you all. Uh, we spent time uh, studying some scripture, and it, it was a good time together. We did a little bit of hiking uh, down at Hawking Hills, which is where we were at. And uh, it, is, um, it is a joy to be able to step away knowing that uh, things are still happening around here. We don't do that uh, um, hesitantly, frankly, because we know that so many step up and lead worship and lead uh, many other aspects, which is what the church should be, right? And so thanks for allowing us that time together. Also, in, uh, in a little ways now to prayer uh, 752 campaign, if you have not picked up a prayer packet, there are prayer packets available at the Life at Home Resource Center, and you'll get a, uh, you can pick up a handy-dandy little bracelet that may or may not match your shirt, depending on what you decide to wear for that way, uh, that day, but I accessorized well today, didn't I? So, um, so uh, I want you to be a part of that. Uh, there's all kinds of information on the website as well. So check it out on there. So I want to start this morning with a little quiz. And um, uh, I have a prize, okay? And so um, I want to start out with a little bit of a quiz this morning. And uh, uh, I've got three pictures to show you. And so these three pictures are individuals uh, that I want to know uh, if you know. Now, um, I'll just see how you do, okay? I'm kind of curious to see how you do. First one's an easy one. Regina, who is that? Oh, I thought more of you would know that. Okay, some of you are just being like Jim, good students and raising your hand and, and waiting for the teacher to call on you. Some of you just yelled it out. Johnny Bench, number five, catcher, Cincinnati Reds. Uh, in the 70s, a part of the big red machine, uh, Johnny Bench. All right, it's going to get a little tougher. Next one. Anybody got a guess? All right, let me give you a clue. He was a professional trumpet player. Uh, no. <laughs> Anybody? Nope. Not. Maynard Ferguson. Anybody ever heard of Maynard Ferguson? If, if you like some good trumpet playing, you've got to listen to this guy. And watch him, too. Those cheeks, a uh, little bit uh, like, is it Dizzy uh, Gillespie? A little bit like that. Man, those things expand. You wouldn't believe it. But uh, that guy hits notes on that instrument that really, I don't know how he does it. But um, Maynard Ferguson, uh, Maynard is uh, deceased now, but incredible uh, trumpet player. Okay, this last one may be a little bit easier. Uh, we'll see how, how well you know it. Okay, Regina? Anybody? All right, I'll give you a clue. Famous architect. Ah, yeah, that's where everybody goes, right? As soon as you say famous architect, boom. So, um, I, I, it's funny, I looked at these pictures. I was thinking of these three men, and I was looking at these pictures, and I'm like, Okay, could anybody think that that's one person in three places in their life? It's not. Johnny Bench, Maynard Ferguson, Frank Lloyd Wright. 
I was a young kid. I played Kiwanis Little League Baseball in Union City. Loved it. It was my sport. And um, after a first couple few years in the outfield, um, decided to play catcher. And um, actually caught baseball games for a little bit, kind of in uh, fourth, fifth grade uh, time of my life. And Johnny Bench was the guy. He was the guy. He, he wasn't just a good catcher. He was also good at offense. He was also a very good hitter. A little bit later in my life, um, around junior high, uh, early high school years, this guy became someone I looked at. In fact, the height of this was, I believe it was my, my freshman or sophomore year. I think it was sophomore because my girlfriend was with me, and I didn't have a girlfriend until uh, my sophomore year, and thankfully, uh, she married me. And so, um, she was a trumpet player too. And we went over to Lebanon, Ohio with our band director and our jazz band and saw this guy play. And I tell you, just, oh man, just absolutely rattled me. He was so incredible. This third guy, in my college years, as I began to study architecture, this guy's work just really, um, really encouraged me, very much inspired me. Uh, went to Chicago on a trip with architecture department from Miami University and went to Oak Park. If you've never been to Oak Park around Chicago, uh, this guy has uh, some houses. And um, you kind of either really like Frank Lloyd Wright or you don't. He has such a, dis such a distinct style. There's actually a house outside of Oxford that is very Frank Lloyd Wright-ish on Brown Road as you head out to the golf course, Houston Woods Golf Course, if any of you want a Sunday drive today. But I really started to look to him, much like I looked to Maynard Ferguson at one point in my life and much like I looked at Johnny Bench. Thinking about what we're going to talk about today in terms of formation prayer, I was reminded, and I could have put many more individuals up, but these three stood out to me. And they stood out to me because as a very young kid, as, a, as an early teenager, and then as a, a late teenager, young adult, these three men, I can't say shaped my life greatly, but I wanted to be more like them. There were... I didn't know much really about any of their personal lives, so to speak, if, as if we could separate it, right? But what I knew is that one was a really good baseball player. I wanted to be a good baseball player. I wanted to be more like him. One was uh, a very good professional trumpet player, which at one point, that's what I wanted to do with my life. And I wanted to be much more like him. And then when I was in Miami, I very much wanted to be like Frank Lloyd Wright. It got me to thinking that even as adults, and, and you could put your own list up here, and maybe it wouldn't be, these are all famous people, so to speak, okay? We, we, we tend to put those at the top of the list, but maybe there's other pictures of individuals that you would put up here, some that were very close to you. But it reminds me that even as adults, we spend time, energy, and resources thinking about who we want to be more like. I don't know that that's all bad. I think of it often when someone passes 
and we see a brother or sister in the Christian faith who left such a legacy to us. Often I encourage family and I encourage friends who are grieving to say, so how would you like your life to reflect more of what their life reflected? In those cases, when it's good stuff, it often, and it should, reflect back to the one that Paul speaks about in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, Paul, uh, very familiar text to many of you, but he speaks about the one as Christians above anybody else that we should want to be more like. Chapter 2 of Philippians, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with, with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit and of one mind. And I jump down to verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Do you want to be more like Jesus? It sounds like a silly question because we know the answer, what it should be, right? As Christians, we are taught, we are encouraged, we are sometimes commanded by others around us. But most importantly, we should be commanded and receive that command from God that we are to be more like Jesus. I started out this way this morning because as we talk about this idea of formation prayer, as we work through this series uh, on different types of prayer, we have to continue to come back at not just an exercise, not just something that is a, a discipline for discipline's sakes, but that we know the goal. And the goal is to become more like Jesus. We are commanded to do that. We are given examples of that throughout Scripture, let alone people in our own lives that we see, not just walking with Jesus, but becoming more like Jesus. It's so easy in this Christian walk that we talk about and, and we spend time in is to get so caught up in saying, yes, I want to grow, yes, I want to mature, yes, I want to know more Scripture, and I want my spiritual disciplines to be better, and, and I want to be a better Christian. That is measured primarily by one thing. All of those other things help us do it, but it's measured by one thing. Are you becoming more like Jesus? It's challenging, isn't it? It's what Paul speaks of a little bit later in, in chapter 2 uh, in Philippians when he talks about working out your salvation. This is not about earning salvation, we all know we can't earn it, is the grace of God, God's gift to us. But once we have received that gift, our lives have been transformed, our, our, our spirit, our soul is now been healed because of Jesus' work on the cross. Then it's about growth and change. 
We say it all the time, you know, we don't expect people, we should not expect people to come to the cross as perfect people because we're not. And we aren't even going to understand what it means to be a perfect person or even a person who knows God and loves God until the power of the Holy Spirit works in our life so that we come to a point and we say, I surrender. I surrender it all. And then at that point, we begin to lay our lives before God so that we might be transformed. Formation prayer is about our growth and change to become more like Christ. Remember years ago, someone said to me, I've known this particular person for 20 years, and I've known them well enough to know they are a Christian, but they are no different than they were the day they accepted Christ. I hope that's not said about us. I hope that people see growth in us. Formation prayer is one place. It's not the only place, but formation prayer is one place that can bring change to become more like Jesus. Formation prayer is not being content with just experiencing part of life in Christ. It's all of life in Christ. Now, there are seasons, there are times in our lives where God is working on specific things in us. The Holy Spirit is speaking us with particular circumstances that he wants to shape us in. But it's not ever being content to say, you know what, I've kind of been through that and, and I've, I've arrived, I've graduated. Now I'm just going to maintain. No. God wants with us every single day to learn and to grow and to fail sometimes and to get back up and try again, and to get back up and to be more dependent the next time on God so that we become more like Jesus. If you would, turn with me. This is not going to be on the screen, but I want to take a look at um, a passage in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 18. And it's been a while since I've said this. You know, I know a lot of times we put passages of Scripture on the screen, unless they're a little bit longer, but I really do encourage you to bring a copy of God's Word with you. If you do not have one, stop by the Life at Home um, Resource Center. There are some uh, Bibles out there, some that are free, others that um, actually have some study helps in them and notes um, that you can get for a donation. Uh, but we, would, we want you to have a copy of God's Word because... Formation prayer, I can tell you, as well as a lot of other things, aren't going to mean a whole lot in your life if you are not in the Word of God. This the circumstance here in Jeremiah 18, if you remember, Jeremiah is a prophet. Israel is, is, is in a time that um, they just have walked away over and over again from God. And in fact, God um, has kind of had it with them. Thankfully, as God does with every one of us, he doesn't give up on us. Yeah, praise God for that. But there's this particular setting in chapter 18 where God instructs Jeremiah to do something very specific. So let's take a look at it because I think it gives us some indication about really what formation prayer is all about. Verse 1, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. 
The Lord said, go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, Jeremiah said, and I saw him working at the wheel, the potter that is. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. And God goes on to speak in the next couple of verses about what those consequences look like, what repentance can mean, what lack of repentance can mean. The potter house was nothing strange to Jeremiah. It it is very much something that was a common part of many towns. It was a trade that would have been very popular and very much a part of every town. It was a part of culture. And so to go down to the potter house was not anything all that uncommon, except the Lord's instruction to him was to go down and he really didn't know what he had to do. But he said, go down to the potter's house. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in you know, a, a town that is kind of a touristy town, and, and maybe it's not the potter. Maybe it's the fudge-making place, right? We go there, don't we? Okay, the big old marble slabs, and they're, they're turning that stuff, and we're kind of standing out beyond the, either the glass or the little rope, and we're watching. We're watching them uh, work this, uh, this uh, fudge as it's mixtured and it and it um, and it, uh, it it cools off and it takes shape and form, so maybe not all that different from that. Jeremiah is standing at the potter's house. This image of the potter, while very familiar, God was using for Jeremiah, and I believe He wants to use it for us to understand a few things about God and also about us. You see, in this image, if you haven't figured it out, is the potter is God. The clay, that's you, that's me. And it provides an illustration for really what formation prayer is all about. It's that setting where it's more about the change in us and not just the change in our circumstances. You see, prayer, and we'll talk more about this later on, but in prayer, we often go and pray over circumstances. God, change the circumstance. God, this person is sick. Bring healing. Those are good prayers. Formation prayer doesn't say get rid of those types of prayers. But there are points when God wants to do little in the situation, and he wants to do everything in the person praying over the situation. The potter and the clay. There's two aspects that Richard Foster talks about in his book, and I want to hit those briefly this morning because I think they will help us understand formation prayer. All of these sermons that we are, we are talking about, we are delivering, we are sharing, are the idea that we practice this. This is not just about, oh, formation prayer, that's a great idea. No, it's about us practicing it. We're going to actually practice it before we leave worship today. And so I want you to think about, as we talk about this, I want you to think about, how might I practice formation prayer? Again, the goal of formation prayer is for you to grow and mature and change to be more like Jesus Christ. 
The first part of formation prayer is this active side. Now, uh, especially for you men, us men, this is the side we like. Because prayer generally feels passive in my mind. I know it's not. In fact, God is, let's just say, hammering, okay? He's not shaping. He's hammering me on this one over the last few years, is that prayer is one of the most active things you can do. But Foster talks about an active side of formation prayer and a passive side. The active side can be kind of summed up in this idea of pursuing God. Now, some may struggle a little bit theologically with this, and, and I don't want us to get too bound up there. It's more about a mindset. It's more about an approach to prayer, is that we go in boldness, and we go as Philippians 3.12, the, the latter part of verse 12 in chapter 3, Paul says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In other words, you know what's been set before, before you as a Christ follower, and you want to run after that with all of your heart so that you will be changed. You see, that's always the bottom line with formation prayer. It always comes back to you have the desire to be changed and shaped and molded to be more like Christ. Sometimes it's the very proactive nature of exercising prayer in your life. It's being intentional in the focus of praying for your own spiritual growth. You know what I find interesting, and, and I, I, I so get caught up in this too, is that we spend so much time praying for other people, sometimes we don't spend a lot of time praying for ourselves. As if there's some, something out there that, well, what if somebody catches me and, and, and I'm praying for myself instead of other people, and isn't that selfish? Well, I suppose it can be. You know, we're pretty good at making anything selfish, right? <laughs> But the reality is that sometimes the, the, the most important thing for us to do in formation prayer is to pray for ourselves and not just pray for comfort or peace. Boy, we love that, don't we? And sometimes that's exactly what we should pray for. But God shaped me in this. I was talking to a young father in this church recently. And we had spent some time together, and uh, we were getting ready to leave. And he said, Dan, I, I've got to share something with you. He was actually late getting back to work. So it, it was, this was really important to him. And he said to me, he said, Dan, he said, um, in my office the other day that I work in, a lady walked in. And he said, she uh, began to pour out her heart to me, and he just gave me just a quick snippet. L let's just say some very tragic things going on, very heartbreaking things in this, uh, this woman's life. Didn't have, um, a, a, I think he may have known this woman, but he didn't know her well. And he said, for some reason, Dan, she is just telling me about this stuff. And he said, I, I'm standing there and I'm listening, trying to be empathetic and compassionate. And he said, I looked down to my wrist and I saw the Prayer 752 bracelet. And he said, Dan, I don't pray in front of people. He said, it's not that I don't want to. He said, it scares me to death. And he said, I, 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 I'm trying to work on it. I've just not been able to do it. And he said, I looked down at my bracelet and he thought, I got to pray for this woman. I want to pray for this woman. 
And he said, as she talked a little bit more, he, he offered to pray for her. And she kind of, kind of blew it off initially, and, and he didn't let it go. And she accepted And he said, Dan, before I knew it, I had prayed over this woman. The woman had left. I was back in my seat in my office. And he said, I'm like almost shaking and sweating and everything else. And he said, I was in awe of what God had just done. He said, I couldn't believe it. He said, I couldn't tell you a word I prayed. (laughs) That's probably okay, if not really okay. Because sometimes we try too hard, don't we? And we don't allow the Holy Spirit to move, which is exactly what happened. And, and what I know about this man, this young dad, what I know is that he is engaged in this campaign. And I don't say it just to, you know, well, you better get your wristband, but kind of, come on. Because what it says is that he was willing to be shaped by the very act of praying. He was willing to let God use him. And it was not comfortable. It was not easy. Formation prayer, the active side, sometimes is is simply praying. And praying for change. You see, that prayer, while his heart and his compassion and his empathy for that woman drove that prayer, what God, I believe, said with that prayer to him was, this is about shaping you amidst all of this other stuff. The beautiful thing about God is God also hasn't forgotten that woman. And who knows what opportunities may be there. Being proactive in pursuing God in formation prayer is much like 1 Timothy 6.12 where it says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Again, this is this going after and pursuing God Not simply setting back in formation prayer, but seeking, committing, saying to God, I want to be more like your son Jesus. This side can be very fun at times, at least for me. I I love pursuing God, but it gets really frustrating, doesn't it? Because sometimes when you feel like you are taking steps in some of the greatest ways that you never have, is that you stumble and you falter. And you know why? You know why it is for me? It's because I start to believe, even in the smallest places in my heart and mind, wow, you did pretty good. No. When we look at this image of the potter and the clay, we see clay that is dependent on the potter to become all that it's supposed to be. We have to look to the potter The way we pursue God has to constantly say, potter, potter, potter. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to look at you. And I'm going to look for you in every arena in my life. In all of the God-forsaken places, I am going to look for you, potter, because I, the clay, am dependent on you. The challenge is to seek God Not just what God can give. Formation prayer on the active side is all about seeking God. 
To be results-oriented is a challenge with this. Those of you that are directors or even promoters personality-wise, you love results and you love to see tangible things. I'm telling you, is formation prayer sometimes seems like the most untangible, unrewarding, non-resulting thing that we can do. That's why we need to do it. That's why Scripture speaks of prayer that changes. It's putting yourself in places where maybe you don't want to be like this young father for the, for the potter to work in you. You know, there's a part of, of building a pot is where the, um, it starts as this lump of clay and the, the potter reaches down and with his hand uh, forms a hole and out of this rises this pot. That's what God wants to do, that hole in your heart that we often talk about without Jesus he wants to do. Now I want to say here for a moment, and I, I want you to hear me clearly because this could be misconstrued and I'll get all kinds of emails. So I want you to hear me clearly. And if you still don't understand, send me an email. We'll talk about it. But sometimes it is easy to just simply through the act of prayer to think that the act of prayer has brought transformation. Sometimes that's true. But ultimately, even with this young father, he was obedient, but it was not because of the prayer exercise. It was because of the one he was praying to. It was because of the potter. We cannot ever lift prayer to a point or any other spiritual discipline to a point that takes itself away from the one that we seek to have discipline in. It, it's, it's essentially saying that the clay can become a beautiful pot without the one who shapes and forms it. It's not possible. The clay on the pottery wheel is nothing without the potter who turns the wheel with his feet or her feet. You see, when you look at a man or a woman who is a potter in our human terms, you see them active in that. In the terms of God, he is the one who turns that table, that wheel, to become the great creation he has made. I want to look at this very practically in terms of broken relationships. We've all experienced them. Uh, some of us are experiencing them right now, perhaps in our lives. And I'm not just talking about dating. I'm not just, you know, I'm talking about relationships in general, broken relationships. The active side of formation prayer doesn't simply, simply seek to fix the other person. In a relationship, any relationship, what we should seek is we should seek how God wants to guide that relationship. So the encouragement is in any broken relationship, any relationship, period, we should seek God's will to shape and form us. You know, a marriage relationship is very much about a relationship of formation. I think, to a certain degree, all relationships shape us if we let them, as we walk with Christ. I want you to take a look at a video that illustrates this particular uh, scripture 
uh, a little bit further. So take a look at this, please. So God spoke to Jeremiah one day, and he said, go down to the potter's house, and I'm going to talk to you there. So Jeremiah said, so I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he brought a work on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the potter's hands. And you know, sometimes that's how our lives feel. Something comes along in life and just totally messes up our life. I love the story of the potter and the clay because he didn't stop there. As Jeremiah was watching the potter, so he made it again. I seemed good to the potter to make it. And then God began to speak to Jeremiah. And he said, Cannot I do this with you? For as clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands, O house of Israel. God was speaking to an entire nation at that time. As they had wandered away and turned to idols and their world was falling apart. Yet God was saying to them, if you just turn over yourself to me, I can remake you again, just like the potter. He was saying that to a whole nation. How much more could he say that to us as individuals? So let me ask you, could this clay ever fix itself? So why is it that we think that we can fix ourselves or that we have to fix ourselves or make things right before we come back to God. When in reality, we never really can fix ourselves, not really. And all God wants us to do is just turn the mess over to Him. And just turn it over to Him and so that He can put things back together. Because see, He's the potter. He's really good at that. So herein lies the second aspect of formation prayer. It's being the clay. Now men, as excited as we get about active things, probably (laughs) the completely other end of the spectrum, let's just be honest, women tend to be better at this. Women tend to be better at being still, tend to be better at letting go of control. Dads, grandpas, husbands, brothers, sons, This is where your strength comes from. It's not what your body looks like. It's not how big your family is. It's not the size of your paycheck or your house or how good you look in the community. Now, this is where your strength comes from, right here. And it's something that fights against most of us men's instinct to conquer. But I'm telling you, this is where our strength comes from. If I had a word for you ladies, my word would be, let the men in your life figure this one out. You love and you pray for them and you care for them, but don't expect them to do it the way you are. You are doing it because that's not how God's created us as men. But appreciate, learn, Model it in your own life, women. This, instead of pursuing God, is being, is being pursued by God. Scripture is full of examples of God pursuing his people. 
God pursuing those who are broken, God pursuing those who he wants to redeem and restore. But there's a point that we all have to let that happen. We have to receive. We have to submit. In formation prayer, this passive side very clearly takes the, um, takes the form of listening, takes the form of stepping out of the driver's seat, stepping out of control, and letting the potter shape you the clay. Again, the image in Jeremiah 18 of, of it, the clay being marred, God hasn't given up on you, any of you, because you made a mistake or you sinned. That's why he gave Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection. So don't get bound in your past, but allow God to lead you in the present and the future. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You saw her do it as she, she, that pot rose out of that wheel. That's what God wants to do with your life as he shapes you to be more like Jesus. So formation prayer, the passive side, is all about being the clay. The active side is pursuing the potter. The passive side is to be clay. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. There is an acknowledgement right there of the God and the human, the divine and the human. We've got to make that distinction if we truly want to be formed and shaped to become more like Jesus. Any of you ever do pottery? Has anybody ever done that? Okay, a few of you. You know how challenging it is. I've not done it specifically, but I've watched enough people do it, and it's like, oh my gosh. You know, like, she made it, made it look very easy, as most do that are, uh, have worked at it a long time. Our work is to be soft and pliable. In other words, do you keep fighting against God? You pray for patience, and God brings a situation to your life where it's testing your patience. Are you complaining to God about that? Guilty. You see, God, in some of the most unique, distinct ways in your life, will take some of the very normal circumstances and ask you, are you going to be soft and pliable? Are you going to fight me on this one? I'm not going to throw you off the wheel, but I'm going to keep working. I may have to turn faster. I may have to dig my hands in a little bit harder if you're going to fight it. And that's the question. It's trusting what, um, what Paul says in Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You trust that God is doing a good work in you. I hope so. If you've believed in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is working, continues to work. Finally, back to last week that Rudy and Mark shared about this idea of the prayer of examine. 
This very much is connected to this prayer formation, but it takes it really a step further. The prayer of examine is that listening piece, but the goal here is not just to hear from God. The goal here is to say and to reflect, which leads to obedience at some point, am I going to receive that or am I going to somehow dismiss what God has spoke to me through his word, through my prayer, through others? as not really God. I absolutely believe, church, we have to be really careful about not getting caught up in some of the things that weaken our trust in God. Every sign may point, and we have to be diligent, we have to have good counsel. Proverbs speaks to that over and over. But sometimes I, in my life, am looking for the perfect circumstances to say, you know, I believe God's telling me to do this. When sometimes it's a nudge. Sometimes it's the smallest of things. which should cause us to lean in. So here's what I'd like us to do this morning. Is I'd like us to spend a couple of moments and practice formation prayer. I know that this may feel forced, but it's not intended to be. We want to help this become a prayer in your life beyond this place. It is important for us collectively, but we're going to practice it individually this morning. So we're going to look at these two sides in these next few moments, and um, we're going to leave that image up on the screen because... um, It is okay to pray with your eyes open and maybe as you pray, you just want to stare at this image and consider the clay and the potter, you and your God. So I'm going to ask you to first speak to Jesus about one way that you would like to be more like him. What one aspect of his character, what one aspect of the way he dealt with people. I'd like you right now to pursue God And share with God one way that you would like to be more like Jesus. Take a moment and do that. Now to exercise the passive side. I'd like us, again, this is the hard one, but I'd like us to simply, if you're able, to offer your willingness to listen to God. And then listen. Maybe you want to jot some things down, that's fine. But I want you 
to offer that willingness to God.